Hey, it's good to see you. Um, I was going to say good to see you this morning. Um, man, I'm on a roll, man. This is smooth like butter, isn't it? Um, it's good to, good to see you, good to gather with you. I know it's a little bit different. Um, you know, the last time it was, uh, we had services on Christmas Day, um, I want to say maybe seven years ago. And uh, we thought, you know, this year let's do something different. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether you worship on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday night. Um, every day is the Lord's day. Amen. And so it's not about the day. It's about uh, the Lord. It's about worshiping him. And so we're going to look at uh, Titus chapter 2 tonight. Just kind of a more of a devotional thought. Just kind of um, get our hearts right uh, before the Lord and, and to really... Um, experience the hope and the grace that God gives us in the word. Um, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You know, Christmas is about the grace of God. And this grace that appeared 2,000 years ago is the same grace that can change you tonight. Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared. You know, Christmas, uh, this is a season where there's so much joy and there's so much love and laughter and family and gift giving and memory making. Uh, my wife is the queen of memories. I mean, we are making memories every year and I love that about how my wife is. I, and, I, and I bet your family is like that as well. A lot of memories uh, shared. Christmas is, you know, not about, um, you know, the, the eggnog or the merriment or the shopping malls. Christmas is about Emmanuel, God with us. Just think about the word Christmas for a moment. Christ's name occupies six of the nine letters. It isn't Santa Miss or shopping miss or reindeer miss. It's called Christmas for a reason. The story of Christmas is about God coming to our world, wrapping himself in flesh and being born as a baby in Bethlehem. Christmas is about the grace of God. Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared. Jesus indeed is the grace of God. He's the one who came and broke into our world 2,000 years ago. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he's coming back someday. That's Christianity in a nutshell. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who is the Word? Well, John tells us in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That last line 
packs a very powerful punch. John, who was a disciple of Jesus, said that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. He has a monopoly on grace and truth. He alone is full, complete, like 100%, full of grace, full of truth. He's not lacking. He's not insufficient. He is uh, the very nature of grace. Jesus is a 100% gracious, which means he's 100% loving and kind. He's 100% truthful, which means he's honest. He's a truth teller. He's not a liar. He was able to balance this tension between grace and truth. We have a hard time pulling this off, but Jesus didn't. He was compassionate towards sinners, but he also taught them to go and sin no more. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, but he also threw them into the sphere of his love. Paul goes on to say, he says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The person to your left and the person to your right, Jesus came for. The neighbor that is maybe kind of a cranky neighbor, right? Kind of, you know, kind of hard to deal with, right? Jesus came for that neighbor. You know, that, that person in your oikos that maybe you would like to do kind of an oikos trade with someone else, Jesus came and died for them, amen? I mean, Jesus came for the unlovable. We're all unlovable. He, he came for the unforgivable. We're all unforgivable. Jesus came for all people. That, that's that's the, the, the beauty of Christmas. Because of Bethlehem, the king has been born. The, the God-man has come to earth. The Savior has left heaven and come to earth. Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. You know, Easter is proof that Christmas really worked. Amen? But Christmas is the beginning. It begins what Easter celebrates. The child in the cradle became the king on the cross. But Bethlehem was just the beginning. Jesus has promised a repeat performance. We know Jesus, his first coming, uh, the, the king ordered a census. Two teenage peasants were forced to travel. Mary was pregnant with the Son of God. Can you imagine being eight months pregnant? You know, you have to travel 80 miles on the back of a donkey. The inn was full when they made their final, got to their final destination. The hour was late. Angels first proclaimed the gospel to lowly shepherds. A star guided the Magi. Mary and Joseph laid their firstborn son or held their firstborn son in their hands, and they gazed upon the very face of God. That was the first coming. But we know that Titus and the Bible tells us that we're waiting for our blessed hope. There's going to be a second coming, an act two, no silent night this time. The Bible tells us, Matthew 24 tells us that the skies will open and the trumpets will blast and a new kingdom will begin Matthew 24, verse 30, says, Then will appear in heaven the, the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When will Christ return? 
No one knows. No one knows except the Father. Matthew 24, 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Now, if you're some eschatological nut, you know, you've got charts and graphs and diagrams, you know, there's people like that, you know. I've encountered many people that visit our church and, hey, Pastor Elijah, I got it all figured out. This is when he's coming. Well, here's a little piece of advice. Don't try to figure it out because only God the Father knows, right? He knows the exact moment when Christ will return. You know, I'm not on the time and date committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. I want to be ready when Christ comes back for his church. We're called to wait and to worship as, as, a, as a bride waits for her groom with great anticipation. We are supposed to wait for the Lord. Paul tells us in verse 13 of Titus 2, he says, waiting for our blessed hope. Is Jesus your blessed hope? Are you anchoring your life and your joy and your future and your eternity to this king who was born in Bethlehem, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two appearances, two grand appearances. The first one was his birth, and the second one will, it will be his great return. Luke chapter 2 there's um, Luke kind of gives us some details about the Christmas story. And I want you to just listen. It's a little bit different tonight. Lights are down low, so uh, no message notes. We just really want you to reflect and think and really soak it in. Luke chapter 2, 8 to 14, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of, a, of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel of the Lord appeared to a few lowly shepherds. And the text says that they were filled with great fear. Imagine, imagine being one of the shepherds, and you're just out tending your flock, doing your job, and there's an, an angel that appears to you out of nowhere. The Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. But this was so unique. We know the prophet Isaiah, the prophet to Israel, he had this grand vision of God in Isaiah chapter 6. He tells us, it's recorded for us, that he saw the Lord seated on his throne, and the Lord was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and he saw the seraphim, these, these blazing angelic creatures. Literally, the word seraphim means blazing ones. And they're echoing back and forth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah got a glimpse 
of the holiness of God. He got a glimpse of the greatness of God, which gave him a glimpse into his own sinfulness. The angels are created by God. They're mighty, powerful messengers at God's disposal. They are at God's beck and call, and they come and they first declare the good news to shepherds. If you know anything about shepherds, shepherds were, were not clean people. They were very unclean. They worked with unclean animals. They were crooks. They were thieves. It was like an occupation, bottom rung of society. It was kind of right there with tax collectors. And what, what amazes me about the good news of Christmas, the, the message of God coming to earth was first declared to broken people. That's the message of Christmas. No one has it all together. You don't have it together. I don't have it together. We all know our spouse doesn't have it all together. Our kids don't have it together. If you got kids, amen, right? I mean, we, no one's got it together. This is, this is why Christ came, to fix you, to make you whole, to heal you, to comfort you, to forgive you, to make you into the person that he wants you to be. You know, we can relate to the little boy who played the part of the angel in the Christmas story. Him and his mother rehearsed his lines over and over and over again. And, you know, and the lines were, it is I, don't be afraid. It is I, don't be afraid. He played the part of an angel. Yet when the Christmas pageant began, he walked onto the stage. And he saw the lights and he saw the audience and he froze. After an awkward silence, he finally said, it is me and I'm scared. <laughs> you know, grace has appeared bringing good news. Amen. The angels brought great news. The angels said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. The end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, he was the last living prophet to God's people. He was the last mouthpiece. He was the last one who spoke for God. After Malachi to the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence 400 years, I want you to understand this. 400 years, God was mute. There was no revelation. There was no prophetic word. There was no, thus saith the Lord. But God was working behind the scenes. He was working in the darkness. He was working in the silence. Though it appeared that he had forgotten his people, though it appeared that he had abandoned his people, God was working. And that is a good word for us during this Christmas season. Maybe you've experienced a lot of tragedy, a lot of sorrow. I can tell you that God has not abandoned you. He's not forgotten about you. Oh, you may, it may seem like God is silent. It may seem like God is not working. It may seem like God is not near. But listen, he sees you. He knows you. He knows your name. He loves you with a radical love, a love so rich and, and so deep and so profound that he sent his only son into this world to die for you. That's pure divine love. That's the greatest picture of love you could ever show me. But God was, he was working he sent his son at the right, at the right moment. Galatians 
4, 4 to 5 says, but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son. It, it, it doesn't say God, God withheld the son. It says that he sent his son. I want you to just picture God, his, his heart open, his hands open, and he willingly gave, he willingly sent his son, knowing what his son would have to endure. The rejection, the, the uh, being marginalized, being ridiculed, being misunderstood. Titles, names connected to him that were untrue. Things said about him that were false eventually would lead to betrayal. The people would reject him. His own disciples would, would betray him and they would be scattered and, and they would leave him. But God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You know, Paul, is, he's writing to Romans and Greeks, and the idea that God has a son was shocking. And Paul is saying, listen, God has a son, and he came to redeem. We, we, we see Mary and Joseph, and we see their plan. And how they go to Bethlehem and they, they make this long trek because there's a census and the inn is full. And so they, and eventually she gives birth and there's a star, magi and shepherds. We know the whole story, all the details. God had a plan. But you know what? Christmas is more than just a plan. And let me say this as clear as I can ever say it. Christmas has a purpose. And the purpose of Christmas is you. Christ was sent by the Father for you. That's amazing. That, that's, that's, that should just blow your mind, take your breath away. That the God of this universe loved me so much that he would send his son Jesus to remove the debt that I owe him. And then as Paul said, to, to redeem us and then to 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 adopt us into his family. You know, in the first century in the Roman world, the rich, they didn't adopt infants or toddlers because they were afraid that they would die too young. So what did they do? They adopted adults. And the adoption was for the benefit of the adoptive parents, not for the one being adopted. So you had like farmers who had land. You had a childless couple that wanted protection and security in their old age. You had aristocrats that wanted to perpetuate their family name. But here's the deal. God's adoption is radically different than the Roman world. The Roman world was, the benefit was for the parents, not so much for the kids. But when God adopts you, the benefit is not so much for him, it's for you. You and I, when we're adopted into the family of God, we get all the benefits. We get all the benefits. Grace has appeared. Christ has appeared. And he he brought good news as, as the angel said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. And then grace has appeared, bringing great great joy. The angel goes on and says, I bring you good news of great joy. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of joy in their life. And, I, and I, I've always said this, joy is, is connected to knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have joy. 
If you don't know Jesus, you don't have joy. You just have happiness. And happiness is fleeting. It's based on external circumstances. It's based on what's in the bank account. It's based on, you know, your goals and your plans in the future and when can you retire and all these things. But, but joy is, is something that only God can give. And this is what the angel said. Christ came. This news is, is, is news of great joy. Jesus is, uh, has brought great joy into our world. At the heart of Christmas, the heart of Christmas, it's good news. It's gospel, which produces great joy. And what is this great joy? That God, because of the incarnation, became a baby. He broke into our world. He he broke into the, the mess and the messiness of our world. I mean, our world is pretty messy. We're pretty messy people. And he came into the messiness, the brokenness of our world so that we could experience grace and hope and, 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 and truth and our lives could be radically different. This grace also brought hope for all people. The, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, there's one word that I really love in that sentence and it's the word all. I bring you great joy that will be for all the people. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is for all people. You know, whether you live in Russia or Australia or Japan or South America or Canada, Hawaii, the States, Christmas is for all people. The gospel, the beauty of Christmas is that Christmas breaks down all barriers, racial, gender, socioeconomic. And I thank God that we have a diverse church. You know, we have uh, people of different colors and different backgrounds and different personalities. It just makes everything rich and sweet. I, I think there's so much unity in our diversity. I think our church is a beautiful picture of what heaven's gonna be like. You know, when John the Apostle got a vision, he got a vision into heaven, Revelation 4, and, and, and he said, man, he, he saw every tribe and tongue and language and people group around the throne praising God. Jesus' mission was one to get you to heaven someday. Now, if you think you can get to heaven on your own, you are gravely mistaken. Because how do you know if you've done enough good? A lot of people think, well, if I, if I do enough good, you know, God's going to grade on a, on a curve. He's going to grade on scales. I'm good. But listen, God didn't have scales. He doesn't, he doesn't have a spiritual pencil and eraser and, and test from everyone. No, you know what? Here, here's, this, here's the grading scale. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Christ Have you placed your utter dependence, all of your trust? Are you banking heaven on who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and what Jesus did for you? When someone says, hey, how do you know if you're going to go to heaven, Pastor Elijah? I'm banking everything on Jesus. I'm not banking anything on me because all my good and righteous deeds are filthy rags. But I know that there's one work, there's one work that really matters. It's the work of Christ on the cross. That's the work that only matters. You know, you might say, well, man, Pastor Elijah, you don't understand. If Christmas has a purpose and 
and, and this purpose is, is me and Christ came for me. You don't understand. You don't understand. Like I, I, I've got some skeletons in the closet. I've done some really bad things in my past. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Show me someone who hasn't made a, a mess of their lives in some shape, in some way. You know, when I look at the, the pages of the Bible, I know that the Bible could not have been written by man. And here's how, here's how I know this. I mean, set aside the thousands of manuscripts. Set that aside. Set aside all the prophecies that were made hundreds of years and then fulfilled in one person. Set that aside. That is just like, that is like amazing, right? But let's just take the Bible face value. Genesis to Revelation. 66 books. God, if, if it was written by man, there would be a lot of things that should not have made it into the book. There are stories, there are character sketches, there are some, some big, uh, massive, ginormous, dark sins people have committed that should not have made it into this book. I mean, David, he was a murderer, he, was an, he committed adultery, he was an adulterer. Uh, Moses was a murderer. Uh, Paul was um, before he became a Christian, and he wrote half the New Testament. Here's another thing. This, this is what shocks me. Before he became a Christian, he murdered Christians. He persecuted Christians. He was, he was like, he was throwing people into prison. He was ripping people out of their homes. He, he gave the green light for Stephen, the first Christian disciple, to be martyred. But his life was radically changed because he met the grace of God. He met Jesus. So you might look at your life and say, well, you know, I've made a mess of my life. Well, well, compared to these guys, how does your resume stack up? How does your resume stack up? I mean, have, 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 you, have you killed someone? Have you committed adultery? Have you, like, killed Christians? Listen, Christmas is about God giving a second chance. It's about God sending his son Jesus so that we would receive a second chance. You might say, well, I've messed up. Well, listen, who's greater, you or God? Who's the one forgiving here? Grace has appeared. The angel goes on, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is about good news. But Christmas demands a choice from you. You can't have a baby in the manger, a baby in a cradle who eventually becomes the God-man on the cross, who is the mediator in heaven. All of that, there's a purpose to all that. And Christmas demands a choice from you. You have to make a decision. Is it real or is it not real? What will you do with Jesus? Will you shove him aside? Maybe shove him aside another year. You know, there's a lot of great teachings connected to Christianity, but I just can't fully buy that the creator of this universe, the creator of all the galaxies, would send his son to earth to take upon flesh, 
to die for all my sins. I just, I, I just can't, I can't buy that. So you might want to just shove him aside, place him aside. He's, he's just a fairy tale. He's a legend. He's, he's a mythological figure. The disciples, they just fabricated everything. You can set Jesus aside or you can see Christ for who he really is. He is the Savior of the world. And so why don't you invite Christ into your life tonight? Stop playing games. Stop setting Jesus aside. Why don't you do some serious heart, soul searching now, right now, and ask yourself, is Jesus the Savior of the world? Is he really indeed the Son that the Father sent so that all my sins could be forgiven. You know, you can experience the grace of God today for the very first time. You can invite Christ into your life. You know, some people will tell you, you got to do this, that, you know. Um, there's a long list of all these religious things you have to do in order to go to heaven. But Jesus said there's only two things. Repent of your sins, place your faith in Christ. The word repentance is a military term. It means to stop, acknowledge the direction you're going, turn and go the other direction. That, that, that's what it means to repent. It's a, it's a change of action. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. Okay, this is the path. This is, this is the direction I'm, I'm on. But you know what? I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my, the way I am living and I'm going to turn to Christ by faith. That's the second thing. Christ said, turn from your sin, place your faith in me. Place your trust in me. What, what does that mean? Believe that Jesus is indeed the Christ. He's the son of God. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for your sins. He was buried. Three days later, he came back to life from the grave. Came back to life. The disciples were martyred for it. No one dies for a lie. Jesus Christ has brought good news, great joy, and he can wash all your sins away. That's the purpose of Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the message of Christmas. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who indeed is the embodiment of grace. Lord God, help us to worship you. Lord, we adore you tonight. We thank you for you coming into our broken world and bringing light and hope and grace. We thank you for your great love for us. And we pray that you would speak to us now as we reflect upon your word, as we sing together. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the good news of Christmas and your son being the embodiment of grace. And this grace was freely given to us Help us, Lord, 
to receive this grace, this gift of salvation. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And with great anticipation, Lord, we look forward to your return someday to be with you forever and ever and ever. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.